The Theonauts, episode 83. The one where you just got to suffer through it. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo Knotheads out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And I'm guest Theo Knot Brian Neal. And all three of us are the, the Theo Knots. Hey! Yes. Awesome. Nice. It's so great to have Brian Neal finally, <laughs> finally in the studio. We've had both of his sons, I believe. Grace or Mike. Have we had Jack not had Jack? Jack has not been here, but Riley's been oh. on here. And Meredith has made it to voicemail. Right. Yeah. So I'll be the third Neil appearing. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty much my so existence lately is father of Riley and Jack. That's kind of <laughs> so uh, role so lately. It is the Neil trifecta. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, I've been excited about this day, so uh, it's it's good to hear from the uh, the the man who started the Neil uh, <laughs> legacy excursion. Well, so you're responsible for all, yeah, financially, legally. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that gene pool. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. We've been really uh, I am thrilled. the lifeguard of that gene pool. <laughs> yeah, we've been really That's thrilled good. to have Riley on the show. Oh, yeah. And uh, and can't wait to have Jack on the show. Jack's just like Riley yeah. in a lot of ways, man. It's, yeah. It'll be fun to to hear their their voice too but anyways it's good to have brian in the studio especially whenever we're talking about probably Woo. quite possibly one of the most difficult subjects that we've ever attempted on theonauts yeah, or right? at least diverse in <laughs> in opinions because there's right. no shortage of opinions oh there's not there's i'm gonna not. be the first guest that sits here and says wow i don't know god <laughs> that's hard we've already told you you won't be the first one yeah no no, no we've we say that all the time so <laughs> Usually it goes like this. David says something very profound, and I go, hmm. Yeah, well, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyways, man. so David, how'd your week go? Oh, it's been uh, really good, yeah. really busy, like crazy busy. Really? Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, we're moving along with the way. Sure we, are. We got uh, very exciting. Yeah, we've got some. Uh, we are actually a uh, nonprofit we're, we're, organization. Yeah, we're now. actually an organization. We're That's legal. A, I yeah. uh, I texted David when it was all set up, and I said, "Dude, we just we planted a church." You know, I mean, it's so awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. You can actually say that you planted a church yeah. now. This is so cool. So uh, it's exciting to see see what's happening. Even like our conversation. You know, we had a we had a business meeting over phone this morning, and you know, it's on the a, phone. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, on the phone this morning. It is on the text message yeah, business meeting. It's exciting just to see the the community, the unity going on. And uh, what God's doing, so yeah. it, you know, I'm and, sure and there's we're, we've got all these diverse backgrounds right. that are coming in, and so there's all this. Well, why are we doing it like this? And yeah. and so it is really cool to to kind of see the merging right. of things, the cohesion. Yeah, it's pretty co- awesome. So, anyways, I've had a good week too. It's it's been very very good. long and drawn out. And uh, and so, but it's been good. How about you, Brian? It's been a good week in yeah. the school business. Uh, 
Every night is something, you know, during basketball season, especially. And uh, we had kids on the baseball field already (laughs) throwing, and so it just rolls. You know, spring is crazy. It's awesome. It's field trip-a-rama. Superintendent... Fun stuff, right? Fun stuff. Fun stuff. (laughs) But it's busy and it goes by fast. Yeah, that's That's, right. That's great. That's what someone said. What what do you do as a small town superintendent? And I said, well, one minute I'm planning a two or three million dollar budget. And the next minute I'm mopping up puke because the custodian is sick. You know, I mean, (laughs) our our onion just doesn't have layers, you know. (laughs) Man of many hats right there whenever you're the the superintendent of a small school. So anyways, but yeah, it's it's been a good week. All right. Well, this is going to be a big topic. So you'll dive into it. Let's do it. All right. You want to hear something really interesting to kick off this topic? Sure. All right. So I'm teaching Robinson Crusoe to the seniors, right? They're learning Daniel Defoe. Yeah, God caused that, I think. Yeah, God caused that. <laughs> well, okay. So <laughs> he did. He caused it. So one of the main one of the main themes in Robinson Crusoe, Robinson, uh, Daniel Defoe was going to be a Presbyterian minister. I don't know if you knew that. No. But uh, before he became a writer. And so one of the main themes in Robinson Crusoe is God's providence. Like it's in fact, gotcha. it's all throughout that entire thing. Okay. It's, it's God who made, uh, uh, who punished him for going out to sea. It's God who, you know, put him on the island for 25 of some odd years. It's God who rescued him. It's all this right. stuff. Right. Yeah. And so <clears throat> there's this one part. And so there's this conversion of Crusoe. And I'm teaching this in class. I'm like, well, this is, for Caruso, this is his first God moment. Like when his eyes are open and he sees, and he says, it's God's providence that has landed me here. And I asked the students, I said, do you see it that way, that it was God's providence? In other words, that God caused Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> and they're like, no! To, to, to be sure. And one of the kids answered something that just blew me away. And he goes, no. And I said, why? And he said, well, why would he kill all the other people on that ship just to land Robinson Crusoe on an island. Mm-hmm. And I went, whoa. Because he can. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for the first time, I took a step back and I thought, you know, I never thought of it from that, that side of things. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where this whole topic came up. We've been, I mean, it's been over and over and over again. Uh, Kevin's sermon at the way last, uh, last uh, Sunday was really kind of had this, you know, backbone intention on it. Right. And uh, and so <clears throat> it's been the stew in the making, right? Sure. Yeah. You, you stirred well, everybody up on Facebook. <laughs> right. And yeah. I did. I stirred everybody up. <laughs> well, on and we, and we've we've touched on these type of topics. Yeah. Like going all the way back. I mean, like when we talked about um well when Kevin was on the show with us and yeah. talked about his depression, depression. And, and trials that he's been through and how sure. God has worked in it and and that sort of thing. So we've we've talked about this stuff. We just haven't really just focused on it. Actually, yeah, answered our take or our thoughts on this matter. Okay, so here, so, so let's do this. Okay, let's go around the table. Okay, and okay, the question at uh, oh, I don't even know how to form the question because we we asked the question: Did God does God cause or allow uh, bad, bad things, things to happen? So like like either or. Like, is it, does he cause them or does he just allow them or neither? Or, um, I, uh, one of the things that, that I think would be a good question to ask is people, this is the number one objection 
to Christianity. Yes, yep. it if, is. If, yep. you, if you go and you ask people that aren't Christians yep. or atheists, whatever. Oh yeah, this is the number My one. My grandma was the best lady that ever lived, and he struck her down, or you know, or she right. got cancer and blah. You know. Yeah. So, so the argument is, if God is all knowing, all loving, and all powerful. Then why does he allow evil things right, right. to happen mm-hmm. to good people? Yeah, so that's that's the question, and the, and the behind that is the question. Okay, so does God allow? Because okay, we we understand the premise is evil things do happen to good people mm-hmm. all the time, right? Okay, quote unquote good people. Yeah, <laughs> my famous answer to this is there's no such there, thing yeah, as a good the, person. Good people doesn't exist, <laughs> right? right. right. But, but to the but to the world's view, to the world's view, yeah, bad it's, things it's happen. It's all to good about perspective. What do you call good? and What do you not? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, the, the the underlying question is. Does God will for those things to happen? In other words, does He cause them to happen, or does He simply allow them to happen and then work through the allowance? Right. I, I want to answer first. Okay, okay, go for it. Go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Well, that's I'm going to say. That's your yes. answer. Yes. That's actually a very wise answer. <laughs> yes to both. That is correct. Okay. And and of course I, I'm going to define. Or you know, uh, which what I'm what I'm kind of talking about there, right, right, right. Because to me, uh, a God who punishes his children is a good, just God, just like a good parent Amen. punishes. However, I, I'm going to stop short of evil okay. because I don't look as punishment as evil. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, discipline I think is is very much huh. in the God realm, but uh, uh, the other part of evil, the real evil. I think kind of comes from Satan and the original sin, and that yes. is allowed, not caused. Amen. That's that's where I'm going. So, Got, gotcha. Excellent. Okay. What do you think? Well, um, I'm going to piggyback off of that because I think yes is the appropriate answer. But the re- but the reason behind it for me is is that I don't think we can put God in a box. Yeah. Okay. And and it, answering the question one way or the other. Like if it has to be one or the other, is us getting in God's business. <laughs> yeah. Whereas you know Isaiah tells us, you know, my ways are not your ways. You know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So quit trying to yeah. think like me. In, right. In, in Corinthians, where it says we see things imperfectly. Right. So one example of God in the scriptures actually causing someone's heart to change and do something evil, like Pharaoh, in during the whole Exodus. Exodus, yeah. Thing. Is not an indication to me that God always changes everybody's hearts. Okay, mm-hmm. it means He has the ability to, and it means that He had He had to get His Son on the cross. Okay? Yes, 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 yes. And that took a series of events. And so I do believe that there's differing times where God is able to do a lot of things, but does He choose to do those things, or does He allow His creation to have a free will and to have Choice because to me, love can exist without it. Yeah, it's a component. I mean, free will. If you take, you can't love without free will. If you take the choice out of love, it's not love anymore. And that's to me where God is love, right? Yeah. So He has to allow for us to make a decision to choice. To, so that's where okay. that's where I am on it. I, I, to me, it's not a yes no answer. It's a or an either or answer. It is. You know, why are we so desperate to put God in a box? I think the questions can be answered about, you know, why God allows these things to happen or why he causes them, however you want to phrase it, without getting into God's actual uh, business. Okay. So. All right. 
Okay, so where do I begin on this? Um, yeah, I see where you're definitely where you're going with the love thing. And so that's why I call this a dichotomy. And uh, about the God, putting God in a box thing, yeah, that's that's the that's the big problem with systematic theology, isn't it? Yeah. In a, in a lot of ways, all systematics, I mean, basically all you're trying to do is define mm-hmm. <laughs> everything about God, right? right? Yeah, it in blows, human terms. Yeah, in human terms, which... Again, I always use this analogy, and you'll hear it on almost every podcast we do, but I'm just going to use it again. It's like a kindergartner trying to, un- trying to understand his teacher. You know, he'll say one thing to one kindergartner, and then something totally different to another kindergartner, and you think in your kindergartner mind, oh, he just totally, you know, uh, changed what he said, or he, he totally... <laughs> He totally contradicted himself. Yeah, right. People might call it uh, waffling or flip flopping, <laughs> flip flopping, but it's not necessarily so. Right. The reality is, is his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not mm-hmm. our thoughts. Yeah. And we have to have a high enough view of God to realize that He can do both. And I yeah. agree. Right. We have to realize there's no way we can see through God's eyes. Right. And and have His mind. Right. Or have the capacity. To have his mind. Correct. So. But one of the things that I, I just want to point out is that I, I do believe that God does will for bad things to happen to good people sometimes and uh, for his ultimate outcome. Um, and this, I know, will fly in the face of most modern-day evangelical people. Yeah, that's, that's just Old Testament God, Jeremiah. Right. <laughs> and, and the reason I think it flies in the fla- face is because we want... Um, we want a, a loving God in our own mind, a loving God that would never cause us harm. He would never hurt right, us. Right. Okay. And so we think that anything bad that happens, well, God didn't didn't cause that to happen. It's just you know, it's just a bad thing. God didn't want for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And my answer to that is okay. So God couldn't stop that. God God couldn't reverse that. Right. When when a five year old gets cancer and dies, mm-hmm. God can't heal that body. You're you're telling me that there's no way that uh, God could uh, step into that kid's life, remove the cancer, and make him 100 percent healthy. And because I think because we want to sympathize with those people, so we have a lot of pastors out there, and I think they do it. Um, in, from a good place, like they, they have good intentions, mm-hmm. but I think they lead people ast- in, astray in saying, "Well, God didn't want for that to happen," mm-hmm. because what they're doing is they're making God out to be some kind of weakling. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and my problem <clears throat> with that is, over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture, we see the exact opposite of God. Yeah. God is extremely powerful, so we have to come to these understandings. All right, so it's time to put God in a box. Not to put God in a box, but it's yeah. time to put God in a box real quick. Um, is God all-powerful? It's a big box. <laughs> yes. Well, and, but that depends on your definition of powerful. Okay. So, okay, that actually hits on my first point. Awesome. Go so ahead. So we want to go ahead and run with that? Yeah, do it. Okay, so what does it mean to be all-powerful? Um, and I've got scriptures down, but I don't have a Bible. <laughs> i got a living Bible. You want a living <laughs> that'll, Bible? That'll work. Or if I one, since or I was you guys nine, want to read I'm pulling up my Bible. That's, that's, that's that is an old living Bible right there. All right, what's your first scripture? Oh, Hebrews 6, verse 13. I'll let you have your Bible back. And verse 13. <clears throat> okay, what version do you want? I don't care. 
All right, this is from the NIV, and then I'll switch it because I don't like the NIV. Okay. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Okay, so um, if God is all-powerful, but it just says right there, God cannot swear by anything greater than himself. Yes. Okay, so there's a limitation of essence here. Right. Uh, look in verse 18. Okay. Give me a second to put in the, uh, the whole... Uh, Version here, verse 18 says, So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Genius. Okay, so God cannot lie. Cannot lie. It doesn't say he chooses not to. Right. He cannot. And, and the reason why he cannot is because it goes against his very nature. So when we say powerful, it doesn't mean necessarily can do anything. What it means is can do anything of that is logically doable. So like, for example, uh, C.S. Lewis... Did, <laughs> he can do anything, yeah. but he can't lie. Right. C.S. Lewis um, uh, talks about this, uh, and he, he said, Can man ask questions God finds unanswerable? Hmm. And the question, the answer is yes. For example... Is yellow square or round? <laughs> that's, a, that's a question God can't answer because it's nonsensical. Right. Uh, or how many hours are there in a mile? When I run it, <laughs> <laughs> several. Right. But these are, que- these are, are, are things God can't make a circle a square because then it's no longer a circle. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. so the, 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 the point here is that all-powerful means all do- things that are doable. So if you're asking God to do something that is against his nature of who he even is, obviously the the answer is um, is no. Uh, so, But is it he can't do it or he won't do it? Um, well, That's a I, good question. I think that if – I think being God is good – and being good all the time, he is he, he is not evil. So right. he, he it says that he cannot even look into the face of evil. Mm-hmm. He can't. He turns his face away from evil, which I believe is the reason why the cross had three hours of darkness there because mm-hmm. Jesus became yes. yeah evil, and God was unable to to or look had to go it. walk through evil. So and it could be that God set up all these boundaries, but whatever it is, there are limitations to what even the scriptures say he cannot. Do, um, so the, to me, moral freedom is also part of this. It's a it's a it's a dilemma of, like for example, you can't have um, you can have good without evil, but you can't have evil without good. Okay, there's no such thing as evil if there's no good. There's no there's no. Like it's the same thing as that. What is darkness? Darkness is the absence, absence of, light. of light. So it's a moral dilemma to say it could be all one or the other. So the same thing with with moral freedom. So if you does good exist, or can you, if God made everything good, like for example, let's say little girl got cancer, whatever. If God was all-knowing, all-loving, and all-powerful, like, and he has to make her completely well, right? Okay, so what about the next girl who gets cancer? 
What about the next girl that gets cancer? The 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 logical conclusion to this is there's no cancer. Right. It, it ceases to exist. Okay, what about the thief who stole things from me? Okay. If God stopped that from happening because it's an evil thing, well, then what about the next guy next door? Well, he has to stop that one too. And then the next one, and the yep. next one, and the next one. Logically, you get to the point where there's no thievery, which means there's no sin, which means there's no... So if God... To say that 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 in order for God to be all powerful, He has to stop all these things, goes against His very nature of who He even is. And if those things don't exist, there is no free will. Correct. So and you end up in a place where we're nothing but robots and we're nothing but right. automatons, and there is absolutely no evil in the world. Yeah. Wait. Hold on. Here's the here's the problem with that that I see. Okay. Um, beginnings and endings. Okay. All right. So before the world existed, God was. God has always existed in and of himself. The triune God existed before he created anything. He was the one who created everything, right? So the problem, I think the logical fallacy in that is to say, and, and to go back to what you were saying, in order for good to exist, evil had to exist. Right. Was no, God no, no, it's the other way around. In order for evil to exist, good has to exist. So good can exist without evil. But there's no moral sin, there's no moral there's no evil without good. So so in other words, if if God made everything good, there would be no evil at all. It would it would not exist. Right. So why doesn't he do that? I think it, there's a certain extent of the glory that he gets when we choose him. Right. Okay. See, that's the bottom line. What's the purpose of the tree in the garden? Right. The temptation. And to, I, to choose right. to obey him. And I absolutely agree with that. But the, Okay, then the ending. Let's go to the ending. What you're saying is, is if everybody's good all the time, then we're all robots, which is correct. So, correct. so what about in the end when everything is so made perfect? Well, but that's but the ones that's, that chose him. Exactly. Because the non-perfect have a place to go, too. That's reaping what we have sown. But, okay, so, so in the end, are you saying that we're not going to be able to sin? Are we Correct. We, <laughs> There's going to be no evil in heaven. There's right. going to be no crying, no tears. But wouldn't no. that make us automatons to God? No, because we already made the choice prior to getting there. Oh, well, I, okay. So, so we're getting glorified. I made the choice to love my wife, but that doesn't mean I'm perfect all the time with it. That's true. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And, uh, well, my my own my own ar- only argument against this is the f- is the fact that yeah, one day we will all be perfect, right? Right? But it, does that mean that free will is going to cease to exist then? Because, uh, because. In order for free will, do you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. Do you but get what, that? What would be if there's no evil in heaven? There's no choices to be made. Moral choices to be made. Right. So it's a it's a moot point. Okay, I get what you're saying. There's if there's no evil. Okay, that's good. So if there's no tree in that. the garden, there's no problem. Right. Right. So, but but the minute there's a tree in the garden, there's a problem. And, okay. And so, okay. Just devil's advocate. Literally, what about? When Satan was cast, he was in heaven. Was there no evil there then? I mean, he got tossed. That's a good point. I mean, that is true. And not only that, but Satan is also in God's presence, in God's presence. And and there are those in Job. 
Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And there are those that I've even heard people say, well, Satan is necessary. Yeah. You know, he's right. necessary for us. <clears throat> okay. and, I, and I believe that that's entirely true because mm-hmm. without without Satan in the garden, yeah, then the tree's See, less tempting. You open up yeah. a whole box of worms with this whole <laughs> thing, and and one of them is is the nature and the character of who Satan is. Right, like how does he respond in relation to who God is? How is he responding in relationship to us? Um, and if you look at Job, he's a totally different character than what we have mm-hmm. uh, him be everywhere else in Scripture, almost. Right, right. He's a, in fact, he's one of God's lap boys. In Job, right, he can't do anything outside of God's power, right, right. And Satan says he actually literally says, "If you would strike down Job, he would curse you." Right. If you willed to strike yep. down He's Job, even he would curse you. Tempting God, and then God says, "Okay, I'm going to let you do what you want yeah. with him, right? Except mm-hmm. kill him. Can't so, kill him. Right. So here's the question." Uh, and this is again. I'm going to bring this up: the will of God versus, or God causing versus allowing. Right. Okay. Well, and I think it's both ways. Okay. Like, like, okay. For I like to keep with my Calvinistic friends. I always go to this model in my mind of a model train. Yeah. Okay. So, like, if I'm a model train builder, I've got this attic. I've built this huge model train. What is the greatest joy? Of building this huge, I've got little trees, little houses, little people. I've got the train. I got it all set up. Where's the crowning moment? When you set it when in motion, when I train turn it moment. on and it right. goes all by itself. So these are natural things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As the creator of the train, I could push it all around the track. Right. Mm-hmm. I could get on my knees and crawl around the room, but the fun is knowing I let it go on its own. Okay, so over time, let's say entropy happens, things get, something gets on the track and it keeps the train from going where I want it to go. I might reach down and clean that part of the track, okay? So I'm causing something to happen in my little world. Yeah. Okay, but maybe a tree falls over or something over here and I don't mess with it. So I allow that to happen because it's not obstructing anything so what I'm getting at is, as the creator of this, I have perfect autonomy to do whatever I want to in, in reference to it. I can pick it up, stop it, start it, and, but it doesn't mean that I have to, that my will is always to make sure that whatever's happening. Like, that's where my problem is, is we're starting to map out what God's plan is when we start doing this stuff. But haven't we mapped out God's plan and hasn't scripture mapped out God's plan? An overarching plan of Jesus and where he's going to be and where we're going to be. And that's the, that's, I guess that's the first place I want to go is, is Jesus himself. Mm -hmm. Right. So those that say that God would never allow bad things to happen, which is not us. Right. um, We've established that. Yeah. We're all over that. (laughs) Yeah. No, Um, no, no uh, word of faith people. Here's, here's what's interesting. And this is, where I'll start with this. So I posted a question online on Facebook just because I wanted to see what, what people would say. Oh, they said some stuff. Uh, they did. All right. <laughs> um, and this was the question. Does God cause bad things to happen or does God simply allow bad things to happen? This is going to be in, in an upcoming Theonauts episode. And overwhelmingly, the majority of people said that God only causes things to happen. Or, I mean, allows. sorry, only allows things to happen. Right. He's not the cause of it. 
And for me, this flies in the face of Scripture, 100%, like flies in the face. And I'll start with Jesus. Uh, But it doesn't, it doesn't. It flies in the face of some Scriptures, because that's what I'm saying. It's not always. Okay, that's, well, that's my point. Let me let me go with let me go with my scripture. Okay, okay, so Jesus, Garden of Gethsemane. Right. What's he pray? Let this let it pass, pass if it, if it can. Yeah. Right. But nevertheless, your will be done. Your will be done. Right. What was God's will according to Jesus? That he die on the cross. That he die on the cross. It was Jesus. It was God's will to crucify His Son Jesus. Correct. Right. Jesus says, let this mind, or Paul says, let this mind be in, in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who endured suffering and death. So the, the idea is that we should have in mind the fact that we are going to suffer for the gospel's sake. But right? but there's there's one factor that I think our human minds get too wrapped up in. Time means nothing to God. He can go forward. He can go backward. So he knows the end of the story. Therefore, he understands why the thing is happening now. Right. Because the end will See, be the salvation of the world. Yeah. And, you I'll, know. <laughs> and I'll get to that. So yeah. let me let me continue in on this. So um, John 9, 1 through 3, Jesus is walking through and he sees a blind man. And he asks the question, or they ask him, who did this? Yeah, who so did who this? Sinned who sinned? Who sinned this? Right. And Jesus' response, neither he sinned nor his parents sinned, but this was done to him. It was actually done to him. God caused it to happen. He made it happen so that the glory of God would be shown. Yeah. Right. Right? And then yep. he heals him. And bam, there you go. Exactly. So this kid wandered around his whole life blind. Right. Right? <laughs> and it was God's purpose. Another one, Lazarus. Okay, but let me let me let me pick it back off of that one for me. Okay. Okay. I agree. It says that. Yes. Okay, but does that mean that a child born with AIDS in Africa who dies before he's age five has no impact on anybody else in the whole world? No. Did God cause that? Uh, my my point is I, okay, you okay. can't take one example and apply it across the board. It's like, yes, there was a reason because God knew that man was going to step in front of Jesus one day, and he knew that Jesus was going to have the opportunity to, to, to do something here. So, yes, he stepped in, and he, he made an opportunity for Jesus. Yeah. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean God's in this box where everybody, who everything that ever happens to everybody is the direct finger of God. And that's why my answer, yes, he causes it, and right. yes, he allows it. It, it, it goes, you know... To me, it goes both ways. Okay. Joseph, you know, he yes. knew the end of the story Yeah, with Joseph. Yeah, with, there's another prime example, right? Mm-hmm. You meant this for evil, but God meant it. He purposed it. Right. He caused it for good. Yeah, and it, you know, it was painful to Joseph right. for a period. Yeah. And, of course, you could get all nitschke on it and say, well, he came out much stronger you know, when, right. when you, and all of us who have gone through a hardship at that time, it wasn't fun. We didn't like it. Now I'm not. I'm not using everything because you know, cancer maybe not something you come out of stronger. Right. But I mean, there are many situations where we are. I don't know if disciplined is the right word, but when we go through a hardship and it draws us closer to Him, because I don't know my, my test of faith for myself. I, I, I like when times are bad. I know where to go. That I mean. My problem is I forget sometimes where to go when it they're good. 
yeah. you know, and, and pray and thank God for that. But I mean, I've always been really grounded in man. If times are bad, I got to hit my knees. Well, that's that's perfect because that scripture uh, that talks about. Uh, in Hebrews, where it says, "Whom God loves, He chastises." That that word "chastise" doesn't mean it quite the same way we think of it in terms of spanking a child or whatever. Mm-hmm. It means train, like like you would in like a football game. Okay, so football players love football game. Not all of them are crazy about the practice. Because the practice is full of pain and you're puking and you know, I mean it's mm-hmm. all this stuff, but that's necessary training. So when the game comes, you're prepared to actually step in and do something. So yeah, I believe God works in our lives, just like you said, mm-hmm. and, and whether that's causing or allowing, whatever it is, He's using it. That's the biggest thing. Is whatever has happened, we have to understand that God is sovereign in it and He is using it. Um, I, I like this quote by Augustine. He says, Since God is the highest good, he would not allow evil to exist unless his omnipotence and goodness was such to bring good even out of the evil. So mm-hmm. what? So even, even if the evil is the result of our choices and not God's finger, he still is powerful enough to use it to good things. And and I think that's where um, I think that's where we're we're all kind of on the same page is that God uses it regardless of whether He allowed it or caused it for for good things. Um, one point that I, I wanted to make too, I think is really cool, is that um, the fact that evil exists in the world is was was first off important because without evil we wouldn't need Jesus. And the cross is the perfect example of how God uses evil to create good. Because Jesus became evil and died for it so that he might be resurrected and we might receive salvation through it. So evil becomes good in on the cross and it can do that in our lives too. So it's like the pattern was set. Um, you still have your Bible up, yep. Jeremiah? Can you pull up uh, John 16 and, and 33? Yes. And to me, these, these type of verses fly right in the face of all these prosperity, word of faith guys. Um, sure. Because, because it's like, I don't know what you do with half the Bible. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> whenever it comes to, to that, situa- th- that side of it. Right. John 16, 33? Yeah. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Okay. Oh, there's a blues there's song a, there. There's a, <laughs> this world there will be trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so that we have a promise that we're going to have trouble. Sure. Like, he comes right out and says, it's going to happen. There's going to be evil, but be of good faith because I've overcome it. Yeah. Yeah. Evil has become good. So whatever evil happens in your life, know that ultimately it's going to become um good. And because he went through this evil and suffering and all that, he now has the ability to empathize with us. No matter what our right. our pain may be, we know that Jesus understands. Right. And because so, he chose to become human. Right. Which is going to be part of my next sermon. 
ah. when it's my turn. That's cool. <laughs> so yeah, so that's which, perfect. God dying on working the cross. title. Who is Jesus? But anyway, yeah. So so that's uh, with God coming and actually dying on the cross gives him the ability to help us through our when evil comes upon us when bad times come upon yeah. us it gives us uh, a go-to guy someone who's been there someone who mm-hmm. understands um, Matthew 28 um, the the great commission where he says um, I will be with you always even until the end of the age that tells us that he's there why, why does he make that promise? I'll be, I'll be with you till the end. He just got through saying, go into all the world, baptizing them, teaching them, all this sort of thing. And then he says, and lo, I am with you always. That's a promise because he knows that if you do <laughs> what he's asking you to do, it's going to lead to suffering. Yeah. Right? It's going to be tough. Right. right. That, that there's, that if you're just sitting in a church pew comfortably... You won't get a lot of, of, at least here in America, you're not going to get a lot of persecution. But even in America, you go out and start <laughs> right. pushing and the for envelope. Me, but for me, that's God's plan altogether. Like, mm-hmm. it's his plan to for cause to his suffer. people for, to <laughs> suffer so that the glory of God may be revealed among men. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that in Paul's calling, uh, go and tell Paul what yeah. he must suffer, right. you know, for mm-hmm. my sake, right? Uh Anyone who wishes to fall after me must deny himself, take up his cross. That that means actually to suffer. Paul over and over again says, "I'm suffering all these things. My life is being poured out as a drink offering right. to God. Right. It's it's His purpose to crush me. It was His purpose to kill eleven out of the twelve apostles. Yeah, yeah. Some right. really good people, you know, Bonhoeffer. Right. It yes. was you know suffered. Yeah, and um, some good people, some right. really good people. At I least guess from a human right, understanding, right, of it. right, right, and I don't. He's not I don't, suffering now, but I guess I don't have an answer for uh, what you brought up. That you know, is it God's will that for some kid in Africa to die of AIDS at five with no, there's no repercussion? Well, that happens there. every day, by the way. I, Twenty six thousand five hundred kids die yeah. every day from a preventable cause, and that's horrible. But the only thing I can think of is there had to have been some purpose. God wouldn't allow, but that's our human. That's our human mentality trying to get into God's head. And God to has, figure it out. <laughs> but I I know that God has a purpose in it, <clears throat> right? He has to have a purpose, or that kid died for nothing. He's in hell for nothing, and that that doesn't fit the kind of loving God that we've been talking about. Well, but that's the whole the, the whole thing. God has to allow evil to exist in order for his plan of salvation to even work. It doesn't even work if evil doesn't exist. Right. If there aren't bad things happening and some people are just for me the only it. for me the only reconciliation is I can say that God has a purpose in everything. When your five when your 5-year-old dies, when your grandmother dies, oh, it's just a horrible, you know, purpose, it's just a needful de- needless death. I want to go that that flies in the face of the character of my God. <clears throat> That there's some purpose in it, but I mean, how do you, you 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 can't do that because you drive yourself crazy. For example, the tsunami that hit in what was it, 2007 or 2008, yeah. it it killed millions of of people right on 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 uh, in the Philippines or wherever it was, 
and and then you have just there's that stuff happens every single day. So God has no control over it. I'm not saying God doesn't have control over it. God is sovereign in it. I'm just saying I don't know the answers to okay, why it's right. happening. I know, but that- I can I can look at the tsunami. I can see that there were a lot of people that turned to Christ because of that tsunami, and I can look to Haiti and the earthquake in Haiti. Right. And what does your friend say? He says that the earthquake didn't happen to Haiti. God touched Haiti and the earth shook. Right. Right. Basically, and there were thousands that died in that earthquake. Right. 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 Uh, but it was. It was for the thousands that would be saved from the result of that earthquake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, whenever okay, so let's say somebody dies in my family, or, or and I'm not a follower of Christ at that point, mm-hmm. it'd be all I'm saying is it would be much more beneficial for a pastor to come up to me and say, "God has a purpose. I don't know it, right. and it's it's okay to hurt." But just have hope in the that, fact that there's a that reason. Purpose may even be. That Jesus could come on the cross. That's not above. That's not. And that's not right. a small thing. That's right. a huge thing. And that's what I'm saying. I'd I'd much rather a pastor come to me and say that than come to me and say, "Well, God didn't want that to happen, but He had no power, no power yeah. over but, stopping it." But you know, honestly, telling somebody, He just wants good things to happen, and that's where. Okay, so I'm at a I'm at a church, <laughs> not at our church. Yeah. But I'm in a position right now where I'm fighting that daily. The whole idea that, oh, God never wants anything bad. But here's the idea, and I guess it comes down to this thing called perspective. Okay, so I pulled up one verse to argue with real quick. Revelation 6, 9, 11, the fifth seal, the cry of the martyrs. Okay? Okay. Um, It says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony of which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So these are martyrs who have been killed for their belief in Christ, and they come up and they say, How long until you're going to actually avenge our our deaths? In other Mm -hmm. words, you're going to come down with your righteous right hand, and it's going to be over with. Right. Right? And then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. That tells me that God has a specific number of martyrs. Mm-hmm. He knows the end of the story. Yeah. Right. But for me, to have a specific number, and I guess I, I say you can't plan the ends... And not plan the means is my 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 whole my thing cop out my cop out answer or my I have the ability inability to completely understand and here's where I'm going to justify it is you know all I am capable of is a partial understanding of this yeah right? and and maybe you know in heaven I will have a full right understanding and right now I don't yeah. have all these answers and that's what I guess I'm saying and that's why I come back to this whole idea of perspective. Mm-hmm. When you look at death or tragedy in the light of eternity, it's not that big a deal, honestly. Right. Right. Well, in fact, if we suffer, we are actually going to enter heaven a different person than what we would have been had we never suffered. Sure. Perhaps much spiritually stronger. Exactly. More more tried, more... Uh, 
founded in right. our faith. Right. Um, and so, is it not feasible to to to, uh, to think that God is wanting us to grow? And this is a this is what we grow by. Yes, is going through these things. Right. So um, sometimes it's it's even in the moment it's learning to open your eyes mm-hmm. to the lesson. Mm-hmm. Open your eyes to what uh, my mother was in the hospital all through Christmas. We were we were at the hospital for Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, uh, and I'm bummed out because I'm at the hospital for Christmas. You know, I mean, and then uh, this man. I got to talk to this man who had had no relatives there. Was wondering why he had leukemia. You know, had just been diagnosed. Got to have a wonderful thirty or forty minute conversation. Got to pray with him. Yeah, and it just it kind of fell on me like a bucket of water. This is why you're here, right? This is why you are here. I have done, you know, and and uh, it, it gave me a piece, sure. Which I'm just so glad that I got it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but I was well, there for a reason. And that's the mind, reality. You know? Yeah, it, he has plans in the midst of the suffering in order to work out his will for for his glory and for our benefit, for our mm-hmm. good. I like uh, the best way that I could sum that up would be Romans 8, right? Mm-hmm. Where Paul says, I consider the sufferings of this present are not worth comparing to the glory that is revealed to us. Correct. For the creation waits with eager longing and revealing of the sons of God, right? And then it talks about the groaning and the waiting. And this is really interesting. This is where he goes with this. this. He says, at the at the end of this whole thing, he says, for those he, he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Right. For me, that means suffering. Right. Right? Uh, which is amazing, like, when we see that. He wants us to be like his son, Jesus, who suffered for us, right? Um, and right before that, he says, we know that all these things... Uh, all those who love God, for all those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And one of the things that makes God even bigger for me, and this is why I still have such a hard time with this whole idea of God pushing all the buttons to make everything happen, (laughs) is like God is even more powerful when you look at it like this, that he uses our own choices and our own free will to let his will happen. Yeah. So it, that makes him even uh, powerful in a way we can't even wrap our heads around, right? right? And and so like if you look at all the things that are based on choices, yeah, bad choices that have been made, even in our own lives, small little things, <laughs> bad choices that we've made that which has led to consequences, and et cetera, et cetera. And God has worked in many of those consequences, right? But it's but are we going to say God changed my heart and made me sin, or is it that God? took the opportunity of my bad choice and made it into yeah. something good. Yeah. And and to me that's that's what uh, one thing that I wanted to follow up on uh, that you read there in Romans uh, 8 uh, jump over to 2 Corinthians. Okay. Because this oh, uh, yeah. this bolsters this as well. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17. Okay. Oh. Cuz there's there's a, a really good point in in, in this passage. It says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Okay, so it's so cool. Okay, so 
Notice what he calls this. A light momentary affliction. <laughs> really? Yeah. Paul, really? Paul, yeah. I just lost my job. <laughs> right? Paul, my, you know, I got my leg cut off today. <laughs> or yeah. Paul, you know, my wife died. Right. And Horrible this is things. But but look at him. What he's talking about, he's he has the right to say this. Oh yeah, because he's gone through stonings, he's mm-hmm. gone through shipwrecks, a day in the night, I spent in the deep. You know this whole uh, right. laundry list that he gives right there, and comes and calls it light, momentary affliction. Yeah, and then what what does he say that the reason for it is? Is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. <laughs> right. So, it, so is it not feasible to, to think that what he's saying there is this is preparing me to yeah. be what God wants me to be yes. in eternity? This is what he's he's training me right. to be something better than what I am. Right. Um, I, I thought it was also interesting. Uh, Corey Tinbloom. Yes, you know, Corey uh, Tinbloom. She wrote about her experiences in the concentration camps, uh, 1944, and she says, There is no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still. Hmm. Now, talk about a mind bender. How can an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God allow six million Jews hmm. to be brutally killed in... Murdered. In the... Um, yeah. During the Holocaust, yeah, and his people, and quote unquote. The, the thing is, we can't answer that. Right. It's not him. I'm sorry, but in my opinion, it's not him. <laughs> he said, uh, "For for those of you who can't see, he said sorry to me." Okay, go ahead. <laughs> this these are the choices of evil people following their free will, their God given ability to make choices. Wait a minute, but doesn't mm-hmm. Psalm say like the waters and his hands are the the hearts of the uh, rulers. Sometimes, yeah. But <laughs> so, but what I'm getting at is, I have a really hard time <laughs> well, I'm finding. Just saying, I'm just I have saying, a really hard. That's time what the Bible says. <laughs> okay, yeah. go ahead. Finding a well. Okay, <laughs> pull up your Bible. I'll read one more verse for, for you. Okay, all right. Ecclesiastes nine, verse eleven. So. This just goes to show that you can use verses all over the place yeah. to make all kinds of different. <laughs> oh yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> but but this is. I was definitely going to pull out some of those, but you know the whole. Okay, verse eleven. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. <laughs> so, even so, Solomon count, chalked some of this up to chance. So, well, okay, but uh, so, I don't know so, about that. Okay. Um, so, what I'm saying is, there's a verse for every point of view. I get, but, but I get what, what I'm you're saying. But what I, but what I, what I'm thinking here is, and this is just me not being able to get my head <laughs> into the mind of God. I have a really hard time finding myself in the position of seeing God killing six million people. So Corey Timbloom and a few others can see God through it, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I again, I see it as him working through the tragedies that are occurring to strengthen people like mm. Corey Timbloom. Okay, so however you see it, we both come to the same conclusion. 
<laughs> yes, that God is working in the evil. That God's working in the evil. Now, for me, you know, I can see, I, I know that God is not the author of evil. Correct. That's sin. Correct. Which uh, was begot from Satan's lie right. and from man's fall, period. But God does use it yes. to work out sure. his glorious will. You know, yes. the analogy that I heard some somebody give one time was, have you ever seen a sword being made? You know, they, they throw carbon or dirt or imperfections in it. You're they right. beat it with a mallet. They fold it over on itself and beat it again and throw more dirt on it. And then put it in the fire. And put it in the fire. (laughs) And all these imperfections make it stronger steel. Right. And and at the end, what is it? It's this glorified piece of equipment. You know, I was thinking about uh, the response that some of the Old Testament prophets would have given these people today who say that God never causes anything bad to happen to them. Like Hosea. Right, right, or right. or Jeremiah, <laughs> and we're on the same page about that. That I mean, that whole doctrine flies in the face of every page of the Bible. <laughs> it really does. And to me, I'm, I'm like, how in the world do you do that? Like, yeah, how can you, okay, go, so go back and tell every martyr who ever died, right. you know that that God just did, they just didn't have enough faith. Yeah. Jose, sure. it and wasn't it, God's will for you to marry a woman that would you know sleep around on you every day, right. or Jeremiah. It wasn't God's will for you to put on dirty underwear, right, and walk <laughs> around. Or who was it that had to go naked for how many Ezekiel. years? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, Ezekiel. It was God's will. It was, and somebody stuck their underwear under a rock. <laughs> yeah, that was Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah. So great. that was before he wore. Or cook your food with with poop, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I have, I have, I. I can't eat that. <laughs> and God's like, like oh, okay, well, just, we'll give you a reprieve. Yeah. Here's some cow poop. Cow poop. Instead. Not human poop. Just do it with cow poop. <laughs> so, yeah, my whole thing is God uses pain and suffering yes. for his great glory. And Absolutely. Well, and, and let's go back to perspective because yeah. I think this is the biggest thing. Yeah. When it, when it comes to this, this issue is we... Everything's huge for us because we live in such a, a a finite environment. Yeah. But but if you want to look at it in terms of years, ten thousand years into eternity, which isn't really accurate. Eternity is the absence of time. Mm. But let's say if it were ten thousand years into eternity, this little nugget of time is going to mean so little to us at that point. Right. That it's, I mean, it, I, I've used this example before, but it's like whenever I was in kindergarten, man, all my kindergarten toys and yeah. my friends and the play yard and the teachers were my world. That was your world. Yep. It was everything. Yeah. And if you would have told me when I was five years old that little Mikey next to me, I'd, I'd lose touch with him and never know him for the rest of my life, I would <laughs> cry and it would have been the worst tragedy right. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, when but I was now a, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I was a young coach, I think it was the first or second year I was teaching, and this is a more tragic example of the same thing. Um, at the school that I was at, we had a 15-year-old girl commit suicide. Mm. And uh, she literally got really angry with her parents and went in the back room and shot herself. Wow. And uh, here I am the next day with all these really sad 15-year-old kids looking at me, you know, what do we do? And the one thing that I did think to say to them was like, guys, I don't remember a problem that I had when I was 15. I'm sure they were awful to me at that time. They were just huge. 
I can't name one of them. It's mm-hmm. it's very temporary. And to take your life over, yeah, and over an angry moment, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so you know that's so true. The things that we do echo into eternity, but yeah. it's like there. It's the. You know, I've heard people say, "Oh, if my if my mother's not in heaven, I won't even enjoy it." Well, you, <laughs> you may forget all about your mom. I mean, right. before too long. I mean, that's the answer to the little kid. Will my doggy be in heaven? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. and, and I guess the answer is perspective, perspective, perspective. Over and over again, perspective. Right. Right. What is your perspective? Kingdom minded, or you know, right now minded? And it's so hard for us. And I I totally empathize with everybody who's who has pain in their life because, you know, we've all been there in some sort or another. And so it's good for us to help each other through it, but it's really good for us to remind each other, okay, eternal perspective. What is, what is, what's coming? What's coming? You know, God's got this. There there is, there is a a larger thing happening than what you can see with your little bitty eyes. Yeah. When, when I was about, say when I was about 15, there was a kid at our church and his dad was dying. And uh, I think he was about 13. Anyway, I got taken over there. They were going to visit with the dad. I was taken to kind of talk or be around a friendly, be nice to this sure, kid, be yeah. supportive. And the dad said something to me that is 30 years ago, and it just sticks in my 35, 40 years ago, and it sticks in my head. And uh, the dad said, we're all terminal. <laughs> We're all terminal. Yeah. I just I know a We're little bit dying. more about when it's going to happen. <laughs> right, right, and right. and I mean that has stuck with me right. for decades. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think of the, okay. So the story of Lazarus, and I heard this great analogy, and I don't remember where I heard it, but it was pretty awesome. You know, Jesus came and healed Lazarus, right? Brought him back from the dead. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so then Jesus goes away, and Lazarus dies again. I mean, he inevitably is going to die again. Yeah. Do they weep and mourn <laughs> again like that? You know what I mean? Like, oh, get him a been there, done that T-shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, is, like, this time they they See wait around a couple weeks to See make you in sure. Four days. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's hold off on burying him until we know for sure that this time he's gone, right? Yeah. And so the, the whole thing is, yeah, they they have to have okay. Well, he's not with us anymore. He's with Christ. Well, you know, it's funny is um, going back to one of the episodes Riley guest hosted with me. We talked about authorship of the Bible and that sort of thing. And oh, one of yeah, the big questions that came true. up was the authorship of the book of John. John, right. Yeah. And, Which was a really good one. And that it could have been Lazarus. Yeah, there's who, a lot of case for it. Who was yeah. the author of it. At the end of John, in John 21, it's talking about the the one who Jesus, Jesus loved, loved, which yeah. we always assume Lazarus, is John. But he liked Lazarus pretty good. But yeah. if it was Lazarus... <laughs> The question makes more sense because it says then the apostles begin to question Jesus yeah. about whether or not the apostle whom he loved would die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because so, he already be. did that and you <laughs> brought him back. Right. <laughs> so it would make sense. It's right along those lines. That's right. But, That's interesting. Well, Anyways. Okay. Well, um, do you all have anything else? Because I, I've got a testimony that I want to play. That I think nails a lot of what we've been talking about. Yeah, I want to hear it. Let's do it. Sounds great. It's about six, seven minutes, but it's, it's really powerful. Cool. It was January 16th of 1993. In Boston, it snows a lot, and so you're shoveling your driveway constantly. We had gone to the uh, supermarket that morning, and while we were at the supermarket, it was actually snowing. 
So I got home kind of irritated and said, uh, honey, why don't you park the car out in the street here? Uh, I'll just uh, clean off the driveway. And our two kids were with us, uh, our son, uh, three years old, and our daughter, Lauren, who was 18 months old. I jumped out of the car, got a shovel, the kids jumped out with me, and I asked my wife to move the car to an to a, a easier spot for us to clean out the driveway, and she did, and she said, make sure you keep an eye on the kids. And my son immediately went with her into the car, and my daughter was with me uh, for a few moments, uh, but what I hadn't realized was that she actually wanted to be in the car also. And so as my daughter was running to the car, she uh, was uh, trapped under the front wheel of the car. There was a brief uh, scream of pain, and, uh, and I immediately ran out, and uh, to any parent's horror, uh, they see their uh, 18-month-old daughter under the front wheel of a 2,000-pound car was overwhelming. She died instantly, as we found out later. Um, I actually took the uh, last breath that she ever breathed on this earth out of her lungs. And we um, drove to the emergency room at the hospital, hoping and uh, praying that things might be different, but they weren't. And um, within an hour or so, they had pronounced her uh, dead. I was very angry, God. I didn't know why he would uh, choose me. And my mind would race and think, what is this all about? Where am I going? What does this all mean? Do I take my life? Do I uh, go through a divorce? We had a 97% uh, a failure rate within the first two years when there's a death of a child and the parental uh, involvement. Um, what would that mean? Would that, would that bring some closure to that? What would be a life of anger and despair uh, at God? Those options are, are not good ends. The struggle during our pain here was I had to make a decision. Am I going to accept or reject this situation that I'm in based on not knowing the end game or not knowing the, all the answers? I was given a Bible, my very first Bible, on Christmas, three weeks before uh, the accident. And that Bible was to become the thing that kept me alive. There were drugs and uh, various things that people gave us to try to calm us down during this difficult few weeks, but it was actually holding the Bible and reading it was the thing that actually comforted me the most. Um, I actually slept with my Bible for about nine months every night. What I was struggling for was the reality of Jesus, the reality of somebody who knew suffering, who was going to be there, who uh, had experienced this himself. I spent a lot of time actually in cemeteries just walking around and uh, found some comfort there. I could oftentimes connect more closely with pain there because I knew that everybody there had a story and that people uh, had come and grieved there. It gave me a clarity that Jesus works powerfully in places where people are hurting. And so I found great comfort to just be quiet and listen to him there. And so um, sometimes I would just go around and read the, uh, the stone markers and um, uh, pray for the various families. And it actually turned from, a, from an internal thing where I was trying to get healing and hope to a place where I would actually intercede for others. And that was a shift that occurred where God began to do a work that uh, my healing was going to be uh, more complete in helping others. 
We had five neighbors who lived next to us, directly next to us when the accident happened. And within five years, three whole families of those households came to know Christ personally. And when I think back on where we were and how God used that, I said, that doesn't make it all right. That doesn't make it good. That doesn't make my pain go away. But it does tell me that God is bringing some good out of this, that there'll be some eternal good that comes out of her life and death. Your answer at this tough time is you are naked, you are stripped down raw. You have to make a decision. Which road are you going to take? Where are you going to go in your faith? And I think evil and suffering drive us to those points where we have to make those naked decisions. We have to make those um, raw decisions that give us nowhere out, no, no, nothing to hold on to. We're just there before him. And that's what real faith, I think, is. Not knowing the future, but understanding enough now to make a decision that will change the future in our lives. If I look at it through my own experience, I think I would drive it to the point to say that God is in control of all things and nothing is beyond his reach, nothing is beyond his ability to control. The joy is, is knowing that this is just temporary, that there's something much more. The eternal perspective changes things because it takes the focus off of my experience now and puts it in a different level, a different realm. The Bible says uh, heaven will be a place where there's no more tears or pain or crying or death. Okay, so if, if that's true, then the hope is, is that these things will be resolved and that, that we'll understand or we'll have more clarity that we don't have now. greatest hope is, is that one day I'll walk with her in heaven. She'll be perfect. And I'll be full of joy. And this life will have made a lot more sense. Because sometimes it doesn't. But I have that hope. So anyway, that's a clip from um, the video that goes along with the Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. Yeah, and that guy's name is Mark Harrington, and he's actually now a pastor. Wow, that's tough. You know, and I think it's so important uh, for us to give that perspective out because, as you said at the very beginning of this, the reason why we're talking about this some some people on the the comment on Facebook said, you know, this is maybe a mute point we shouldn't be arguing about this we should be telling everybody about Jesus and I totally agree with that yeah um, but I think it's important to explore this well it's important because you have to be able to answer that question that's right people yeah. will ask that question of you if you're evangelizing yeah. <laughs> long enough people are gonna say well what you know I can't believe in a God who will do the Holocaust right. or who will do this or how do you explain this? exactly and uh, giving that eternal perspective gives hope and that's, that's yeah. absolutely the truth. Or people who have gone through this kind of pain or suffering have to find some peace. Yeah. Right? You know? That's right. right. Because what's the alternative? Being mad at God the rest of your life? Yeah, and some people do that. What, what good does that that's do? That's right. What has that accomplished? Right. Accomplishes nothing. Curse God and die, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, wow. you ready for some that's news? Good. Yeah, let's do it. And now, the news. 
All right. So, uh, tele- <laughs> this is uh, from Relevant Magazine. Televangelism has started to come to Netflix. Okay. Right. So, we get right. to watch Joel Osteen, like, <laughs> And on demand? Maybe not Joel Osteen yet. Yeah, but Robert we're Chilton, there. send me your name, your address. Joyce Meyer. $50. $50. <laughs> I'll send you this healing cloth. <laughs> that I've personally sweat on. If your head hurts, put it on your head. If your knee hurts, put it on your knee. <laughs> I remember Robert Tilton saying he was sick one time from ink poisoning because he was rolling in all the letters that everyone did. <laughs> of course. All right, so this is, again, from uh, Relevant Magazine. It says, you may start noticing a new trend on Netflix, the December Sermon Series is from series from four prominent pastors, Joyce Meyer, Stephen uh, Furtrick, Andy Stanley, and Ed Young, which I'm kind of interested in Andy Stanley and Ed Young. I like them. Mm-hmm. Um, were all added to the streaming content platforms as part of the new effort led by Young to get Christian teachings on Netflix. In an interview with RNS, the executive director of marketing for Joyce Meyer said that Netflix asked that pastors avoid promoting products and soliciting donations, but was relatively open when it came to the content of their sermons. So, well, that's cool. Yeah, interesting. Uh, There's can actually, be on Netflix, but please don't use the word Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually some good uh, biblical. Uh, shows and documentaries on Netflix. Oh yeah, there's some great, there's some great ones, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's some really stupid ones too. Oh, they, yeah. they they have the the mainstream Christian movies the um, that have been out, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Fireproof and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but Zeke Geist is on there. Have you ever watched Zeke Geist? I don't think so. That's the Richard Dawkins. Oh, no, what's gotcha. his name? <sighs> Forget his name. Well, Neil, um, it's all a conspiracy. The is on there. Yeah, uh, like Cosmos. That's yeah, on there. yeah. All right. Uh, in other news, Mark Driscoll is starting a new church in Arizona. Okay. Yeah, he's back on the wagon. It looks like. Well, how's that? A, how's that working for you? I don't know. It's in <laughs> Arizona. In yeah, Mark and Grace Driscoll have announced that they are planning a church in Phoenix, Arizona. The Trinity Church, named after Grace Driscoll's home church, shares a similar similar board of advisors to Marsill Church. The church in Seattle that Driscoll pastored for the better part of two decades before resigning amid several controversies. Even though the words Mars Hill seem to be banned from all communications about the new church. But did did God cause that to happen? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Driscoll had a hand in that one himself, personally. There was some free will involved. <laughs> yeah. Driscoll would say, however, he didn't have a hand in it. So uh, he's a hardcore Calvinist, that guy. Uh, and also one of my mentors. <laughs> Just a little bit. Okay. Anyways, uh, let's see. <laughs> well, it was uh, the Iowa caucus yesterday. Yes. And you heard who won a cruise by right. a little margin of a point against Donald Trump, which I still am waiting for the practical joke reveal about Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and it hasn't happened yet, and I'm starting to get worried that this might actually be a real thing, that he's actually running for president. I, ah, <laughs> so scary. Anyways, and then, uh, of course, Miss Clinton uh, won by margin, which I would rather have Clinton, personally opinion, than Bernie. Than Bernie. I'm telling you that much right now. Bernie Sanders scares me to death. Oh, they both scare me. I just don't want either one of them. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, so uh, no offense, Democrats, whoever I, well, you might but be I, I'm scared the Republicans won't. I know. Pick a electable. Right. Yeah. You know. I took the ice side with uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Cruz? No, um, no, 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 no. The the the, the poll. 
that, oh, yeah. that I side with poll oh, really? online. And you you it asks you all these um, issues and where you stand on them. And at the end, it tells you what percent of each candidate you agree with, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I did this because Michael and, and Brandon were doing it. So, um, well, it actually aligned me with Marco Rubio. Rubio? <laughs> yeah. Rubio um, says some good things. So, yeah. uh, but what was funny was um, <laughs> down at the bottom, obviously, was Bernie Sanders and uh, well, <laughs> Bernie was at the bottom, and then and then Clinton was next. Right. And it tells you what issues you agree with. Yeah. Them on. We agree with on science, which I think the science question was: Should we be going to the moon? You know, really, <laughs> right? I'm like, yeah, Let's I'm go. all about going to the moon. <laughs> Let's go to yeah, the moon. you know, <laughs> if it's possible to be a conservative environmentalist, I kind of am. I'm a little bit of a tree hugger. Yeah, okay. you know. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I'm all Rand Paul all the way, man. I still Rand Ron. I was Ron Paul 100, percent but yeah, I'll take Rand if I can't get Ron. Yeah, you just like throwing away your vote, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so okay, uh, so there's a new research and study saying. 51% of voters say they would be less likely to vote for an atheist. 51? 51%. That's got to be down from what it would have been <laughs> yeah, probably. 20 years ago. Yeah, It says half of Americans still prefer religious presidents. According well, to new research released this week by the Pew Research Center, atheism is still a bigger political liability than the extramarital affair. Personal finance issues are having been a pot smoker. <laughs> do, you, do you remember years ago when I was a kid... It was a big deal that Reagan was divorced. Oh, yeah. He had been yeah, divorced. Right. How many wives has Trump had? You know? <laughs> Seriously. He kind of gets a new one every decade or so. What, you what know? cracks me up is he's running as a Christian. <laughs> Trump is? Yes. Uh, wow. And he's like trying to get... Well, I, okay, so I also had another one, but I didn't pick this uh, this topic, but it said that most pastors would not vote for Trump or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of obvious. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm not a big Trump guy. And I'm like, ah, why in the world would the Republican Party even have a whim of supporting this man? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, all he's doing is say, stand up saying slogans and like getting past, I don't know. Well, I mean, one way or the other. Jesus will win. Amen. Yeah. Amen. In the in the long run. We win in the end. Yeah. I've read the end of the book. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. And I've got some uh Pope news. Oh, we do. I was not even prepared. <laughs> Meredith waits for this moment. <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> and then sings Just it sing for along. like twenty minutes afterwards. <laughs> Dude, so I need a recording of her singing that. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> then I can replace it. <laughs> All right. Pope Francis to make acting debut in Beyond the Sun. All right. Pope is going to be the pontiff is going to be an actor. Pope Francis will play himself in the new religious movie. <laughs> Go be, figure. Be does he, does he sing and dance? <laughs> I, I thought he was going to be that quirky upstairs neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. It says he will be making his acting Do debut <laughs> in the first time a Pope has appeared. And it's, this is the very first time that a Pope will ever have appeared in a feature film. So that doesn't surprise me. Bit of bit of <laughs> trivial pursuit. Fodder for yeah. uh, future generations. They can change the yeah the Oscar to look like him. Right, <laughs> the the Pope skirt. <laughs> All right, and in this day in Christian history, I don't like this one because it takes too long. We need to change it. Oh, I just like the. If it- <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm trying to figure out what it is. It's a TARDIS. It's a TARDIS. <laughs> so, okay. which, which, by the way, I'm going through Doctor Who withdrawals right now because uh, there's not any, because it's on a break. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, bummer. Yeah, I just watched the Christmas special or whatever. Because <laughs> I, was, I was so far behind. Sad day. All right, so good. this day in church history, really actually nothing happened. So I went <laughs> up to Saturday because Saturday was a kind of a big day. It was the day that John Calvin delivered his last sermon. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. <laughs> On this day, February 6th, 1564, an era came to an end. The man who had done as much as any other to forge the theology of the Reformation, per, uh, preached his last sermon. Unable to walk, Calvin was carried in uh, to the church in a chair, his mouth filled with blood as he spoke, and he had to leave. <laughs> wow. That's hardcore preaching right there. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. Are you okay to preach? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm done. Now listen, everybody. He's like, you're bleeding out your yeah. mouth, man. You got a little something in your beard there, buddy. <laughs> wow. There's something wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So yeah, uh, Saturday, uh, Calvin, who we've pretty much talked about this whole time without mentioning him. Yeah, a little uh, bit. Yeah, yeah we kind of <laughs> <laughs> well delivered his last sermon. <laughs> and boys, that's all I got. I'm 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 newsed out. All right. Yes, indeed, we have some more voicemail. All right, David. Jeremiah. And Brian. It's your boy Brendan from the <laughs> Finding Christ and Cinema podcast. I am uh, cruising down the frozen highway at 9.30 Sunday evening listening to the Gideon podcast. Guys, I, again, I, it's like every time you bring up a story out of the Old Testament, it's like I'm hearing it for the first time. Now, granted, the story of Gideon was one of those stories that I did kind of know growing up, but uh, hearing you guys talk about it, uh, you know, it's just it's, it's reawoken these uh, these stirrings within me. I just wanted to share a couple thoughts. Uh, you know, <clears throat> saying Gideon is a type of shadow, not necessarily of Christ, but of uh, of a Christian, well, that's that's a good way of putting it. Uh, you know, after after listening to you guys talk about it, I have to agree with you. That's a good way. And it, to, for me, it, it brings up uh, something that N.T. Wright has formulated over the years as Jesus to the Jews, so the church to the world. And I'm not really sure how exactly that plays into it, but I'm sure you, if you guys <laughs> think about it, maybe you guys could come to the I'm thinking really the same hard. mystery that <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to come up with ponder that. that together. <laughs> uh, another thing, later on in the podcast, you mentioned how you know God wanted to to make the odds seem so impossible so that He could shine through the events. Uh, and not not necessarily in that the that Gideon and his fighters had you know enough force to win the battle, but they had enough faith, and God wanted to use them for their faith, and He wanted to He wanted everyone else to see their faith, and it's oh just just something we've been tossing around on SCC for a couple of weeks now, uh, but you know James two eighteen. 
you know, you, you say you have your faith. Well, uh, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. See, they were, Gideon and his people, they were showing their faith by obeying God. Amen. And it, it would be a different picture if they didn't if they didn't obey God and if they didn't do what he had asked. And if I will set up the equation in my head, you know, if if faith is shown by work. There he cut off. Oh, I mean, here's here's the rest of it. <laughs> I forgot that the limit was three minutes, so I'm trying to wrap it up. <laughs> if faith is shown by our works, then what is shown by the absence of work? If, if faith is shown by action, what's shown by inaction? Non-faith. Can you say doubt? Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it that clear of an answer? Is it, uh, is it that, that right of an answer? I don't know. I'm just tossing some stuff out, guys. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. Uh, you know, pray for me. I like that too. Uh, I, I actually have got it, got some answers on that specific request. Uh, as soon as I figured out how to express that on Theo Anonymous, I will. Uh, until then, <laughs> love you guys, and we'll see you when we see you. Awesome. Well, love you, you too. Drive while thinking that deeply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay on the road in the yeah, ice. Yeah, man, I'd have been off in the ditch asking, <laughs> trying to wrestle with those. Especially in Tennessee. They're in perpetual winter right now, from what I see. Oh, really? So, yeah. I saw Michael post the other day something about how, uh, well, we just had a week of winter, and now it's over. Oh, really? <laughs> so I don't know. But, man, uh, Brandon, really thank you so much for the yeah, uh, definitely. for the feedback. Um, th- there's That's a lot to process yeah. in there. Um because that is a good question, you know, um, if you're not doing anything, I mean, if you're just a bump on the log, what does it say about your faith? Right. Does it even exist? Yeah. I've heard the old <laughs> adage, uh, what can be said of faith is the same in science. If it isn't growing, it's probably dead. <laughs> That's. I don't know, y'all, you, you guys are hurting me because I have had kind of stagnant periods oh, yeah. in my life, which of periods where I would say I have no growth. Sure. Yeah. And then different things to yeah. wake me up or and, whatever. And here's really, what's really cool. I, I discovered this a while back. Really, our faith is three-dimensional. Our growth is three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. What looks like on our two-dimensional plane where we're not growing in so many different areas, there's one area that we've got to be growing in. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, you got to turn it around, the Rubik's Cube around, and look at the other side yeah. where the yellow is starting to get there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though the green looks like there's no way. <laughs> so, so anyway. what was the yellow, yellow a circle? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's it's shape? a cube. Yes, <laughs> it's a Rubik's cube. There you go. I'm done. Well, and, and that's really good too. Uh, that he mentioned that it could be doubt, right? Lack of fa- lack of works. Oh could yeah, be because uh, when you, I, I did this here a while back. Uh, we were talking about what's the opposite of faith, and doubt is really the opposite. Sure. Of faith, sure. You know, it's it's not information. Like uh, when I do the science thing, you know, people go, "Oh, well, you know, I don't need to know blah 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 because I got faith." <laughs> well, information isn't the enemy of faith, right? Right. right? right. Doubt is the enemy of faith. That's right. And so that's a good question. Yeah. You know, does it? Does that mean that we aren't 
faith. That's we don't have, have faith if we're not showing it. Wow. And did God cause that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this whole topic, or you just it just dawned it. on me. My sisters, when I was little, if I was doing something bad, my sister would go, God's going to get you for that. God's going to get you for that. <laughs> to try and straighten me up. That's great. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's get out of here. All right. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and to proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more or to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com. Oh, and before I finish, remember Theonymous, prayer.theonautspodcast.com. I'm Brendan. If you go in there, you can, uh, if you, the email that you got for that prayer, you can click on it and you can you can do a shout out or what a praise report right on it and close it out. Awesome. All right. There are several ways to contact us and leave us feedback. Send us emails to theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Follow us on Instagram at Theonauts. And don't forget to tune in again to explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. Because God will cause that to happen. That's yeah. right. All right. So you better not forget. Brian, thanks yeah. for being here, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it was awesome having fun. you, Brian, man. It was great. Next time, bring me for something easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We brought the big guns. That's we, right. We knew we'd need them. That's so, right. All right. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. All right. See you later, God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions. Yeah, it's a ton of fun, man. At 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission.